The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders and their organizations to solve their biggest problem and leverage their largest opportunities. I do this through with the company through a combination of roles from executive advisor to consultant to coach. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on helping leaders innovate how they lead and how they transform their organization. I'm also an adjunct faculty member of universities in the U.S. and Germany. Today, I'm delighted to say our show features Dr. Deborah Zucker. She's a naturopathic physician, transformational health coach, and the author of The Vitality Map, a guide to deep health, joyful self-care, and resilient well-being. Her holistic approach to healthcare focuses on helping mindful, compassionate people to love, nourish, and heal themselves on every level so they can unleash their gifts and service to the world. As the founder of Vital Medicine, she offers many virtual and retreat-based programs. She holds a doctorate in naturopathic medicine from Bastyr University, where she's also served as adjunct faculty, and is a graduate and past mentor of the Generating Transformative Change program in Integral Leadership at Pacific Integral. The Innovative Leadership Program, my intent for creating this program is helping leaders continue to update themselves as leaders in addition to doing exceptional work in their organizations. And my goal is that each week you'll hear something from this program that you can implement in your own lives. So so realistically, to give you an immediate return on investment for the time you invest in this program. So as part of the Thought Leadership Series, I, I include authors like Deborah to, to help us think about elements such as how our health and resilience drive our success as leaders. Deborah is exceptional both in the the area of health, also in the area of leadership. As she mentioned, we both are graduates of the uh, Generating Transformative Change program. So today she's going to talk about the importance of vitality to leadership effectiveness. Deborah, I'm delighted that you are joining us today. So why don't we start with, tell us a little bit more about yourself and your book. 
Sure. Well, first, just to say thank you so much for having me. It's a delight for me as well. And my my book was really born from my own journey, my own healing journey, which began in 99. And so what I share in there, which is very much about how we all can step into our lives with greater self-awareness, with greater skillfulness, with the capacities to turn towards ourselves with kindness and um, the ability to guide ourselves towards greater resilience and greater vitality so that we can show up more fully in, in all that we do in our lives. And, and so for me in 1999, when, when I spiraled down into chronic fatigue and depression and a lot of other symptoms, I was out there in the world, you know, I was living at a sustainable living institute and I was out there in the world really trying to do good. And I didn't, have those capacities. I didn't really know how to care for myself in those ways. And so my life since then has been an ongoing learning journey. And I've been experimenting and refining what what I then distilled into this book. And, and for me, you know, it's my greatest passion to be able to help people to navigate with this kind of awareness and skillfulness so that they don't have to necessarily journey in the way that I have in my life. Thank you for sharing a little bit about your journey. I, I loved your book, by the way. And and what strikes me is it's incredibly accessible and practical that busy leaders can, again, pick it up and find something that they can implement quickly. So it's not a, oh, yeah, I read about that. I put it on my shelf and now I can cite facts. But right. it's actually I can do what's in the book. So tell us a little bit more about how you wrote it, how it's structured, because I think it's a really practical and useful guide. Yes, well, I did write it in a way where I was imagining it being a self-guided program for people because I know we're all so busy and we're juggling a million things. And and I, part of the intention around it is that we reframe our orientation around health and self-care so that it's not sort of compartmentalized into, you know, this list of things that we're supposed to be doing that gets added to the other long list of all the things mm-hmm. we're supposed to be doing. And so the book is set up, you know, as a long-term journey and it's set up chapter by chapter with different exercises in them. So, you know, if you have five minutes, you can sit down and, you know, do a bit of a meditation that's that's in there, or you can, you know, work through some of the inquiry questions, or you can develop a new experiment or, or try some of the practices that are in there. And, and it's, you know, I want it to be something that doesn't add to the stress and the overwhelm, that it's actually something that can help people to ground and relax and feel more centered in, in how they're guiding their life and so that it's actually more, more of a solution rather than adding to the problem. Thank you. And it's a great companion to interviews with Mariana Klatt on mindfulness and Gary Weber on how the brains of leaders impact their success and how we manage our thinking. And so this kind of suite of tools helping us build our vitality to drive how we lead. So can you talk a little bit more about why vitality matters to leaders? Mm-hmm. Yes, this is this is a big passion for me because, you know, when I look out in the world today, and again, you know, I've journeyed this myself, I just see so many people that are burnt out and exhausted and, 
Yeah, depressed, anxious. There's there's a sense of overwhelm. You know, I call it like the over everything syndrome. And and so many of us are navigating that. And I, I particularly see this in, in people who have such um, a drive to help to support, you know, our collective future, our, to bring their gifts out into the world to to help others and to help our human family as a whole and our planet. And and these folks, you know, are 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 leaders, really helping to drive our future in, in conscious, direct, you know, directive ways. And 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 yet, you know, so many of us are prone to the burnout and exhaustion. And so for me, like. The, the realm of, of how can we help disentangle ourselves from that pattern to really find that the personal sustainability so that we're caring for ourselves in a way that allows us to have more capacity to show up to help, you know, in whatever way we're particularly drawn, yeah. our unique form of leadership. And, and this to me was at the core of the urgency I felt in writing the book now. You know, I appreciate you saying this because as you're talking, I'm thinking about my own story and my commitment to move my work forward to make an impact. And yet I do get exhausted. And there's, for me, a bit of shame that goes with that exhaustion that I feel like I should be able to do more. So Mm -hmm. with the shame, I, I often don't reach out. I don't share. I don't ask for help. Because I feel like in some way I'm inadequate to the task that I'm trying to accomplish. And that I imagine that a lot of other people have that same challenge that we're, we're not even asking when we need it. Yeah, I mean, I, I so appreciate you naming that because, you know, there is such a vulnerability that's there around how we care for ourselves. And, and what you're speaking to, I see everywhere, you know, outwardly, people might seem like they, they have all their stuff together. And, you know, they're strong leaders, and, you know, they might have a family and juggling a million things. But the internal journey, which is what, you know, I really have the honor and privilege to see with the people that I work with is exactly what you're speaking to. There can be so much shame. There can be so many loud, self-judgmental, critical voices, you know, telling you that you ought to know better and do better. And and why can't you just make these changes? And why can't you, you know, get out of bed earlier and exercise before you do your (laughs) whole crazy work? You know, it's like there's all these pressures that we add to ourselves in the name of self-care and and it's it's ended up becoming you know far from caring you know that's that's definitely something that that breaks my heart that self-care has gotten lumped into the stress syndrome whereas self-care is really about caring and kindness and loving and and a gentle stewardship of of this life that we're here to live what a beautiful way to say that because i realize i will extend that care to others but Mm -hmm. i often do not have it for myself yeah Yeah. I have that mean parent in my head um, pushing me to go further faster and not that my parents were that but somewhere along the way I became that to myself yeah, and, and so many folks, you know, who have that drive and, and that sense of purpose that, that calls them out to step into leadership roles in their life, again, you know, at whatever scale or whatever whatever passions they are around that, have 
also have that sense, you know, that I, I saw in myself, which is part of my spiral down, that there can be a, a bit of a martyr kind of in there as well, where it's like, I can handle it, I can step up, I can do it, you know, and, and like you're, you're saying, there can be a disconnect where we can have so much compassion and care and, and guide others, you know, to, to be more gentle and kind and, and to prioritize things in their lives that we might not necessarily be able to prioritize in our own. And, and that disconnect is really at the, the heart of what I speak to in the book. So on that note, let's shift to what are the nine keys of vitality that you talk to in the book and how did you come to those? Yeah, well, I'll just, I'll briefly name the nine keys and then, you know, as, as we like, we can return to any of them, but just so people have a, a sense of the overview. So the first key is honoring your unique life. And the second key is strengthening your self-awareness muscles. The third, I'm sorry, the second key is facing and embracing your shadows. And the third key is strengthening your self-awareness muscles. The fourth is cultivating resilience. The fifth is aligning with your yes. The sixth is experimenting with playful curiosity. The seventh is discovering easeful discipline. The eighth is inviting support and connection and the ninth is living like you matter and Mm -hmm. these nine keys you know as the names kind of probably evoke as, as people are listening to this are really about more of the, the foundation of, of our self-care journey. You know, I, I kind of use the language of being the gardener of ourselves, of cultivating the soil of our lives. So they're underneath all of the other, you know, things that we might think of in relation to our health. So it's, it's what allows us to step up and, and choose particular kinds of exercise or foods or sleep patterns or whatever else. It's more of the self-awareness and capacities underneath that. And, and I came to discover them through my own healing journey which you know was a long journey of chronic fatigue up and down and and so I was watching the patterns for myself and I, I explored with lots of different health practitioners conventional alternative I tried lots of different protocols and and kind of just you know embraced it all as, as an ongoing learning journey that I knew I was going to be bringing to other people and and what I discovered is that the things that actually resulted in more of the the longer term change, the bigger changes of me really stepping in on a daily basis to a sense of, of greater empowerment in guiding my life towards a fullness of my own well-being was more of these subtle realms of, of the alignment, you know, of my choices and of my self-awareness and of having more of a sense of how do I cultivate resilience. And so I distilled all of that into these nine keys as a way to, you know, I kind of view it as basic life skills that most of us were never taught and, and they are teachable. And, and that was my intention with the book. I love the idea that they're teachable, and the ones that stand out to me are self-awareness as a muscle, right, Mm -hmm. that we build it through practice. Mm -hmm. And in the leadership space, I know I've, I've had deep conversations with people who say it doesn't matter if you're a good person, it matters that you lead effectively, and in some cases, the disconnect between... I can't sustain effective leadership without having attended to who I am inside long term. Mm-hmm. Just like you've talked about, you were doing great stuff and then you weren't because your body couldn't sustain it. Right. 
Yeah, and and there is, you know, there is such a sense of of a shift in mentality when we really view it as a long-term process. So, you know, with the strengthening your self-awareness muscles, it's an ongoing journey, and yet we can start right now, and it can have really dramatic mm-hmm. effects. Incredibly well said. So I want to, at this moment, go on break and come back and go into much more depth on what are these the nine keys. So we will be right back with Deborah Zucker talking about the nine keys to deep vitality. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guests today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today, our guest is Deborah Zucker, and we're talking about the Vitality Map, a guide to deep health, joyful self-care, and resilient well-being. So, Deborah, you talk about being nine keys to deep vitality. You've given us an overview. Can you go into those in a little more depth? Sure. Yeah. So, the, the first key is honoring your unique life. And... This one for me is, it's kind of the foundation of it all where we shift our orientation around health and self-care to actually be about dropping into ourselves into a deeper connection with, you know, the, the miracle, the preciousness of being alive and in a body and, and having this one life that, you know, really none of us have any idea how long we're here for. And, and that sense of, of stewarding ourselves, I, I used the language briefly earlier of gardening ourselves, of, of how do we cultivate the soil of our own lives? How do we tend to ourselves 
you know, not from a place of shoulds or have tos or all those strict voices and the, you know, the managerial list, but actually from a place of honoring ourselves and that no one else but each of us is the one that's here to steward our life. And that's a gift. That's And there's a responsibility there, but it's not a responsibility that comes from, you know, an outward pressure. It actually comes from being connected to our own you know, precious life that, that we're here living and, and being and and that part of honoring ourselves in our lives is actually, you know, recognizing that we do have gifts to share and, and those of us as leaders are, are called out to really bring those out in the world. And yet this realm of, of starting from the foundation where care for ourselves is not separate from that, you know, it's actually the mm-hmm. foundation of it all. Yeah, I really Uh, appreciate that because at least for me, there was a point in time where I know that shift happened, where where for a long time I felt like I didn't have much. I mean, I'm a good set of arms and legs and I have a decent brain and I can work hard and get stuff done. But that shift from Mm -hmm. I'm a cog in the wheel to I have a distinct voice and something to bring to the world and then mm-hmm. the sh- that shifting to how fortunate to have a body that functions, right? As I watch yeah. people, good friends who've had um, bouts with cancer and other serious mm-hmm. illnesses, uh, and I had some of my own challenges, and after coming through some of the challenges, boy, am I grateful to be in a body that I can walk every day. I can... Yeah. Uh, get up and do all the things that need to get done. And yeah, I get tired. Um, but I, I'm here and functioning and for the most part really do feel fortunate that I, I am in a physical body that carries me through the world in a way that allows me to contribute those gifts. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty, I mean, it's an amazing thing, you know, when, when we, when we drop into that awareness and of course, you know, life takes us in various ways and we, we lose track Mm -hmm. of that. But, but this key is really about cultivating greater awareness around, around that, you know, that it's not just these, these occasional times where, you know, a loved one dies or we have an accident Mm -hmm. or something and we sort of pop out into that sense of preciousness and awareness that you were just beautifully speaking to. But how do we bring that more into the forefront in our daily lives? It's easy to lose track of when I feel like, you know, I've gained weight and so I don't like my body. Um, All of Mm. that stuff that I think many of us just struggle with. And yet, how amazing these vessels are that they function and they respond to. I think of how the human body adapts, how the brain adapts to severe trauma. And yet we're able to go on in many cases. Yeah. Yeah, it it is extraordinary. I mean, we're incredibly resilient and adaptable. And, you know, these keys for me is about leveraging that in a way, you Mm -hmm. know, how do we become, you know, more at the center of, of that so that we can actually augment those capacities that we already have. And, you know, the second key is facing and embracing your shadows. And, and to me, you know, the reason it's second is it's, it's absolutely central to, and, 
coming into that place of greater empowerment because, you know, as you've spoken to, there's the shame, there's the self-judgment, there's, you know, the things about ourselves that we feel out of control with, you know, whether it's, it's weight gain or, you know, we have these intentions around changing our exercise patterns and it never happens. And, and this realm of, of the shadows is, is essentially a missing piece I see in, in health and self-care and medicine. It's like, it's this big realm of what's affecting how we behave every day that no one's really talking about in my experience. And, and when I'm saying shadows, I'm talking about things that are outside of our conscious awareness. So, you know, things that um, might be from trauma or might be sort of just culturally taught to us or, you know, ways that we sort of go into autopilot and, and behave that can be confusing to us. <laughs> why, why can't I do this? Why am I, why am I getting sidetracked, you know? And, and, and yet all of us have those patterns. And, and so this key is about acknowledging that there are these parts of ourselves that are kind of running the show. And until we begin to shine the light on them and, and incorporate them in a conscious way, they're going to continue to do that. And we're going to continue to be derailed. And, you know, the shame's going to increase and, you know, just all of that. Mm-hmm. So let me get a, give an example of mine to make this more concrete. Um, so for me, the right. shadow was um, I, I want to work out. I, I want to be healthy, and in fact, I was getting ready to climb Kilimanjaro and not training like I needed to. And what mm-hmm. I really needed to identify is I had just started my company, and I was um, pretty concerned about would it be successful. And so my behavior was I just need to work harder. And I would work mm-hmm. so late that then it was too late to go running. It was late at night or whatever. And then I'd try to go running at midnight and then I'd be exhausted. And so what was happening unconsciously for me is that fear of business not being successful caused me to overwork and fail to meet the goal of exercise, which seemed like a simple one. It's just an hour a day, but mm. there wasn't an hour a day. Not by the right. time I got done working. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that example. And and I imagine, you know, folks listening can, can find their own version of that because, yeah, there can be this disconnect where we have this intention or we really want to be caring for ourselves in nourishing ways. And then, yeah, the fears are, are acting out, you know, or... Or, yeah, our, our self-image issues that, you know, came from some trauma when we were young or, you know, whatever might be there that can sabotage or cause these mm-hmm. avoidance patterns. Um, so let's go to the third then, the self-awareness one. Yeah, yeah. So the third one is strengthening your self-awareness muscles. And and I use that, that analogy on purpose, as you already spoke to, about the strengthening of our muscles, because it is, you know, it takes practice and it takes coming back to it over and over again. And, and the awareness that I'm speaking to here is the awareness that no one else but us can actually cultivate. And, and that's beginning to have more consciousness of the feedback that we're receiving all the time, the feedback that's guiding us, you know, towards our vitality, towards, you know, greater energy, towards more great more well-being in our lives and also the feedback that's telling us oh you know 
that choice, <laughs> that might actually be spiraling you down into greater, greater fatigue or, or whatever, you know, the symptoms might be that's happening. And so with time, we can strengthen that awareness and, and bring more attention to all the different choices we're making throughout our days and looking at, okay, what happens as a result of that choice? How is it making me feel? What's the impact of that? What drives me to make that choice in the first place? And, and the shadowy stuff we were just talking about is one subset of that. You know, that's part of raising our awareness. But it goes way beyond that. And and the point of, of strengthening our self-awareness is that it creates that sense of empowerment because we get that, oh, like no one else but me can be my own best health guide because no one else but me is actually living in my body 24-7. So we can go to the experts who have, you know, the initials in front of their names and 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 hear their recommendations, but really we're the one who ultimately is getting the feedback. You know, in the mindfulness discussion, one of one of our conversations was I get that feedback. And um, my tendency is just to push through it. Like, yeah, something hurts or I have a sore throat or something. I can just power through it. And her response, probably the same as yours, is that's really dumb. Um, we, Our bodies get... <laughs> she may have been more tactful. Our bodies give us this early warning sign <laughs> so we can fix what's not working. Powering through while it may get me through today may leave me... In my case, what I run into is I'll power through the week, and by Friday night, I can't function, or I can't function in the way I'd like right. to. I don't want to paint this dire picture, but uh, right. where other people are going out on Friday night, the last thing I want to do is go out because I'm too tired. Right. Yeah, and, and what you're talking about is so common, and and really, like, the the sense of, of the feedback it's, it is something that we might not be aware of at first, you know, because, you know, as I was saying, these are basic life skills that most of us were never taught. So the feedback might be there, like with me, with the chronic fatigue coming on, like my experience at the time was like that I just ran into a brick wall and all of a sudden I had spiraled down, you know, into this deep fatigue and I couldn't get up for like six months. And, and, and yet, you know, in retrospect, now that I've been cultivating this this self-awareness, I can look back and say, oh, there are all these warning signs along the way, but I didn't actually have the capacity at that time to understand what they were or, or to know what to do with them. And, and it can be like that when we're strengthening our self-awareness muscles where, you know, the feedback might be really subtle and gentle at first and, and then it gets louder and louder and louder until, you know, sometimes, you know, it comes in, in a really severe way where it just wakes us up in, into a, a new reality. And my hope is that, you know, that we don't necessarily need to get to that place, but sometimes that does happen. Thank you for sharing about your story. So let's go to the fourth key. And the fourth key is cultivating resilience. And I kind of see it as, you know, there it's closely linked to the third key because in a sense, it's about what do we do with all of this feedback? What do we do with all this awareness when we come to see like the subtleties of what's happening and the impact of our choices? And cultivating resilience is about consciously choosing and building the different skills and capacities. So, you know, I use the word resilience on purpose because, you know, our lives are unpredictable. 
you know, we might have the greatest plan for what we're doing and what's going to happen. And, and then life happens and, you know, someone close to us dies or we lose our job or, you know, something happens that, you know, can pull the rug out yeah. underneath us. And all of a sudden, everything's different. And so there's no such thing as a stress-free life, even if we, you know, check off all the boxes of the things we're supposed to be doing. And so resilience acknowledges that we have the capacity to guide ourselves into greater balance, into greater wholeness. So, you know, life steers us off in one direction and we have the capacity to move ourselves back. And, and one, you know, one example of that is, is like a biofeedback kind of skill, you know, because I, I mean, I often tell people we actually can, we can develop the skills to shift our state of being in physical ways, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. So like, a biofeedback skill, like a simple example that people could try right now is, is with our breath. Our, our breath, often those of us that are more stressed, can be at a, a rate that actually is putting our nervous system into more of that sympathetic fight or flight kind of stressed out state. And so we can actually shift our nervous system state by slowing down our breath. You know, a simple exercise is counting to five with your in-breath and counting to five with your out-breath. And even if you have 30 seconds, it can begin to ground and open you and relax you into a different state of being, which not only affects your body's physiology, the physical self, but also can clear your mind and, and bring a, a greater relaxation to your to your emotional state. So that's just one quick example to give a taste of it. Okay. You know, one of the other tools I add to that, I, I love the deep breathing and I I very consciously right now focus on that and I add a mental piece and that's remembering what I'm grateful for. Mm. Even in the worst of moments, my life is pretty darn good yeah. I, and how do I call that to memory or call that to consciousness and if I'm going into a meeting with someone who I anticipate being challenging, remembering what I appreciate about them most, again, just helps subtly shift how I view them and myself. And it, it can change the entire situation I walk into. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful. And that attitude, it, it does, it shifts as I was just speaking to, it shifts our body's physiology when we open our heart and gratefulness. You know, it actually does shift our biochemistry and, and our nervous system. Mm-hmm. And it puts us in that heart open space to greet whatever we're moving towards. It sounds simple, but it's not always such a simple practice. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. So, so let's touch, the, touch on the next key and then go to break. Okay, the, the next key is one of my favorites. It's, it's aligning with your yes. And, and this to me is about, you know, choosing things throughout our days, the small things and the big things that actually are uniquely aligned for us. And, you know, I use the question, what brings us alive as, as a touch point for that? So, so for you, what brings you alive? For me personally? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, some of the things that bring me alive, I love being out in nature and I love, I love being by water. I'm really nurtured by, you know, intimate relational connections by, um, by, and also by, you know, aligning with what my, you know, a sense of life purpose of what is my gift in the world to bring. 
And that's a huge one that I find, you know, if we're pouring our life energy into work or service that is not actually what we're uniquely here to be doing, it can be a huge drain on our life energy. You know, it's, it's a brilliant point. Our resilience model has four components, and one of them is being aligned with purpose. Yeah. But I have a lot more energy and can put into perspective the silly stuff if I'm doing something that I think matters. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And for me, part of that is doing these shows. And I hope that even though most of our listeners I'll never meet, I hope that they are listening because we bring them something interesting to think about that improves their lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I have my own self-doubts and wonder why I do things, I was reminded by a colleague yesterday that even though we don't get direct feedback, the the value we bring through, in my case, writing books, in your case, writing books, can be significant. It's just not visible. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we also share the desire to be in nature. I do mm-hmm. most of my conference calls outside, even in the winter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how much that helps to reset my whole system and the, the heart opening that comes with that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go on break now, and we'll come back with Jeber Zucker talking about deep vitality, and we will continue with the nine keys. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Our guest today is Deborah Zucker, and we are talking about the nine keys to deep vitality. We've talked about the first five. Let's go on to the sixth one. 
Yeah, this, the sixth one is also one of my favorites. <laughs> it's called Experimenting with Playful Curiosity. And the reason that I like this one so much is that health and self-care, you know, the whole realm of medicine has become so serious and we can become so rigid and, and you know, controlling and harsh with ourselves and, and how we care for ourselves. And and this key to me is is absolutely essential to freeing ourselves from from that approach and it's fun. You know, I use the word playful on purpose because we can actually bring a creative, curious orientation to how we approach our self-care. And the orientation of experimentation is is key to this. Basically, it's it's taking ourselves out of the idea that we are choosing to do something and we have to stick to it and we have to will ourselves into it, and make it really, you know, happen. And, and oftentimes we do that in a way that's disconnected from the realities of our daily life. So we just create a lot of a lot of stress for ourselves, whereas we can actually, you know, set something up as an experiment, you know, and I often suggest to clients like two weeks, you know, just choose something for two weeks. Like one client decided for two weeks he was going to shut off all of his technology at eight o'clock at night, you know, his phone, his computer, and and he discovered amazing things about himself. He ended up going to bed earlier and waking rested, having more energy than he'd had in years and more intimate time with his partner. And that's just one example. But there's so much potential here to bring our creativity into more of an experimental way so that we can, you know, adjust adjust with adaptability in, in the course of our life and, and not beat ourselves up over things that are supposed to be happening and release ourselves from that sense of failure because it's all an experiment. You know, I love this one. And usually I start the show with, uh, I see leadership as the move in leadership maturity as toward the mind of the scientist. And actually the Forbes article I have coming out this week is exactly that. How Mm -hmm. do I take things on as experiments and with everything, with mm-hmm. trying new behaviors. So we'll suggest at the end of this show that people try something on, again, for two weeks, for a week. What does what that experiment look like? And how do I craft it in a way that trying something new isn't a lifelong commitment? It's just an experiment. Yeah, I love it. It's amazing. It's so simple, and yet it's revolutionary in my experience. You know, it just puts us in the orientation, as you're saying, of, of being, you know, learning and and, you know, trying things out throughout our life without it needing to be such a big thing that we're, yeah, setting ourselves up to succeed or not succeed. Instead, we're just learning. In fact, I recommended to a client yesterday, there was a situation. And if I can step back, take my emotions out of it and chart what's happening as a, through data collection, mm-hmm. it's just fascinating to watch ourselves and connects to the self-awareness bit as human beings we're amazingly complex and quirky little creatures (laughs) we are yeah (laughs) the the things i do even shock me and i live in this body it's funny yeah so let's go on to the next one because it's i'm mindful of our time yeah. So the next one um, to me is is intimately linked to the experimental attitude. So this one's discovering easeful discipline, and the easeful part is absolutely key here, where we take discipline out of the orientation, where it's something that we need to be strict about. And you know, oftentimes, you know, I say the word discipline, and I see people's shoulders ride up and the tension come in, like it's something hard. But this key talks about ways in which we can actually make discipline 
be strategic and it can be flexible and it can be something that acknowledges that we need, you know, we need structures that keep us, you know, moving through these times of change, you know, when we make mm-hmm. habit changes, like we do need something to keep us in that process so that we can stay in it through the uncomfortable part of the change because that's just mm-hmm. inevitable. But it can also be, you know, paired right up with that experimentation where we are strategic and we create structures of support for ourselves and we look clearly at the realities of our daily life. So we're, we're being smart about the things that we're trying so that we set ourselves up to um, have experiments that, you know, have a, a good chance of us learning good things and perhaps, you know, sustaining some of the changes that we've been seeking. So this ties back again to the brain part and building neural pathways. We're actually building new grooves in our brain and creating synapses that didn't exist. And that only happens with repetition and, and repetition happens with habit and routine. For me, it's the, the Fitbit. I, mm-hmm. I am now a slave to that little device mm-hmm. and I monitor it regularly and because there's data back to the scientist, mm-hmm. I can I can watch, and I can collect information and modify my experiments and test to see what's working. That's so great, you know. And, and even hearing you talk about it, I mean, it just sounds like you're holding it lightly too. That you know, here's this thing, this tool that's been really helpful for you, and it, it you know. And the experimentation can end up sort of feeling like a game, you know, where we're, you know, we're trying things out and we're learning things and, and we see what happens and we're, we're setting ourselves up with, you know, like a Fitbit, things that support us in that process. It, it has been shocking to me how much that one little piece of equipment has changed my fitness routine. Mm. Mm. I imagine that's true for other people as well. It is. Yeah, no, that's so great. Because, you know, when we find those things for ourselves, this is where it comes back to us each being our own best health guide. You know, it's like when we find those things, we can just know that, oh, this works really well for me. You know, it might not work well for my best friend, but it works great for me. And yeah, and to celebrate that, that you found that. And to your point, different tools will work well for different people. My little science mind likes the likes being able to collect data and measure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's go on to the next key. The next key is inviting support and connection. And for me, this is this is kind of like the glue that ties all the other keys together because the relational piece is absolutely essential. And, you know, we started off talking earlier about, you know, how so many of us can be isolated and there can be so much shame and self-judgment. And, and yeah, to me that it's tragic, you know, how that isolation actually feeds the downward spiral when, when actually if we begin to discover ways to reach out through that, you know, and invite different kinds of support, you know, I, I call it a team of support, you know, different health practitioners of various kinds who can support us in different ways, but then also reaching out to peers or family or, or community of, of people who also are trying to cultivate more of this kind of mindfulness and awareness and intention and in, in how we're 
uh, skillfully guiding ourselves towards greater vitality in our lives. And, you know, we're relational creatures. So whether it's, you know, for the accountability, for the, the witnessing, for the love and support on all these different levels, we're, we're really, um, you know, the word that's coming right now is sort of catapulted into greater success with, with our journey when, when we have other human beings that we are connecting with around them. You know, it's funny, human beings and technology. So my Fitbit talks to me and doesn't talk by voice, but it emails me. And I realize this is silly, but I can measure how I compare with other people. So there is even mm-hmm. a community in my little technological devices. Mm-hmm. That, and because I'm a bit competitive, I, I want to be not the worst person in the world doing what I'm doing. So I, I look at my statistics. and. Yes. So in that, there's a community. I know people that communicate by Twitter to -hmm. their groups of of accountability partners. I walked or I ran or I did whatever today. Um, uh, Personal trainers seem to be the the foundation for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are great examples. And, you know, I really, you know, encourage encourage clients and to just – see like yeah what are the the ways of support that you know you know really work for you and also to experiment again like maybe you've never reached out to someone you know like a personal trainer or maybe you've never tried you know being in an online community that's Mm -hmm. that's all about that kind of shared path and yeah to explore that because it's incredibly powerful what can happen let me give one more example, then we'll go to the next. Um, we, I'm in Columbus, Ohio, and we have a strong biking community. So for a while, I was logging my rides, and part of the foundation for logging, one was it was fun to see what other people were doing, but the other is by proving that we had enough people riding and enough miles, we justified bike paths. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. interesting um, banning together as a community of healthy people was supporting the overall health of the community. Oh, I love that example. Yeah, that's beautiful when that happens. Yeah. Thank you. So let's go on to the next one. I want to make sure we have time to finish. And so the last key is living like you matter. And for me, this key brings it all full, full circle. You know, we, we were talking earlier about how part of my intention around the book was feeling a sense of urgency, you know, that we're in this unique time in history where there's so there's so many challenges that we as a human family are facing. And there's so much create, creativity coming, you know, so many leaders stepping up, wanting to make a difference. And and how can we harness that in a way where we can actually move forward, you know, as a human family, as this life on this planet Earth, um, to to move ourselves towards, you know, a positive collective future. And so that that urgency is right there in the midst of each of us as individuals, you know, and, and then there's this, you know, epidemic of burnout and exhaustion. So how can we actually cultivate this orientation where caring for ourselves is actually a gift, you know, of us caring for the world and for our collective future so that they're one and the same and we can actually live in a way. So this key living like you matter, like living in a way where the cultivation of our own vitality and well-being is the foundation of how we move out in the world to share our gifts. And for me, like this is, you know, this is what brings it back, why there's so much 
you know, so much passion for me in, in working with leaders is, is how can we do this so that we're all in a, in a more solid foundation of our own vitality and we're thriving ourselves that we bring our shining, you know, alive, energetic, you know, wisdom and gifts out there to support all of us. You know, when our governor first took office, he had me come in and talk to his staff uh, direct reports the cabinet, and it was specifically focused on resilience. And one of the questions that came up was, it seems like we are in a society that promotes martyrdom rather than self-care. If I take care of myself, I'm selfish. Mm-hmm. And it, he invited me because of the the idea that he wanted to make sure his staff didn't burn out because we had important work to do. Mm-hmm. And one of his staffers was talking to him on the way over to the meeting, and he said some. The governor talked about um, Kennedy, and the young staffer, and this is astounding to me anyway. But he said, "Who's Kennedy?" And mm-hmm. what what we talked about in the meeting was this idea that no matter who we are, people will forget some of what we've done and that brought us to this place of burnout. Some of it's invisible. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if we get to the point where we're in, unable to contribute, that's, then we take ourselves off the chessboard right. or, or off the, out, of, out of the opportunity to contribute. And that's the tragedy. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to take us to close because we're about one minute out. Deborah, thank you so much. For our listeners who want to reach Deborah, her email or her website is www.vitalmedicine.com. And I love that you are willing to share this and that there is a book that our listeners can go to and use like a workbook and walk through themselves if there's an area they heard and taking on the idea of the mind of the scientist. What did you hear today that you can put into practice in your own life to ensure your vitality or to improve it? From the perspective of the show, I would love to hear from you. Either info at metcalf-associates.com or on Facebook, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. We welcome your comments. I would love to hear your success stories of the experiments that you conduct and anything you want to hear from us, different shows, different guests, please let us know. Again, thank you for joining us. We're Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations and today we've been joined by Dr. Deborah Zucker. Thanks, Deborah. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 